You are now tuning in to Empower 610, where we power minds one episode at a time. One of our missions here is empowering the creatives, empower the community. By empowering the creatives and empowering the community, our whole goal is to empower the culture. What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Empower 610, where we empower minds one episode at a time. Let's get it. Today, we have another special guest, a very close friend of ours. Nice. What we got on the agenda? So on the agenda, we have an, an amazing, empowering discussion. We have our first woman guest pulling up live to the show, Empowering 610, here to empower minds, empower other women out there in the streets that want to be leaders, achievers, and she's here to drop some gems about what, Louis? About the International Cultural Festival. Michelle, obviously... My co-host and I both know you in different capacities. Take a moment now to reintroduce yourself to the people that are seeing you and hearing you for the first time. Tell them a little about yourself. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, I'm Michelle Zatoni. I am the CEO and founder of the International Cultural Festival and the International Cultural Exchange Program. I grew up in the Lehigh Valley. I moved to Atlanta in my early 20s, and when I came back, I noticed there was a... um, some, some gaps missing in the education system and in, as far as events in the Valley. So I started working with a variety of uh, community organizations like Faces and Self and Unidos. And um, that led me into the festival. Ooh. So uh, I'm curious about this, um, especially when, when knowing a little bit about your journey. And I feel like this will be important for our, our, our listeners to hear about. You said that you moved to Atlanta mm-hmm. and then you came back. So... You know, as someone else who moved to a much larger city and then returned, is there anything about your travel to, you know, living and being immersed in another city that made you want to come back or anything that you feel like you brought back from Atlanta to here to be able to help help you do what you're doing now? Most definitely. Um, you know, living in a larger city, you know, you have different type of opportunities. You know, I was able to go there, do real estate, obtain some project management skills. Um, and then when I came back, I obviously came back for family. And um, I think coming back here, you know, it just made me realize how much I had learned from Atlanta and the things mm. that I could implement into here. Um, you know, we are a growing area, the Lehigh Valley. It grew a lot since I grew up here. And, and now it's kind of stepping into not necessarily Atlanta, but, you know, it's getting to that point where there's, you know, a higher population and more diversity, mm-hmm. uh, more business opportunities. Um, so I was able to you know, be fortunate enough to start mentoring people in business just based off of my experience in Atlanta. Yeah, I think that's great. And as, um, you know, to be able to, to go somewhere, you have a different appreciation from home, especially mm-hmm. like a place like this, um, especially when you have roots here, like you grow up here and you leave, um, you, de- you develop more of an appreciation uh, for it. And I feel like not then being in another city, you develop a new um, perspective and you kind of reposition yourself, um, you know, in these spaces to kind of like lay down like new roots of growth. And I think you touched on something to me that's valuable is because I, I often challenged, especially when I was gone and first came back, that I felt like this area didn't have an identity for the longest. But I feel like with people like you here that are making moves, leading, taking risks, you're helping it develop more of an identity. So as you're continuing to put your fingerprints on this area, you know, thinking about in the future, like, you know, what, what do you want your legacy to be here in the Lehigh Valley? 
you know, my legacy just in general, you know, I try to be a global citizen and I try to include the valley in everything I do, whether I'm in Nigeria or Kenya or Jamaica. Um, I, I would like to enhance the education system in the Lehigh Valley and on a global what level. I believe that there are supplemental programs available that aren't being utilized, including arts and education. And I think, right. And I think just like you guys, you know, you're in arts, right? And look at how productive you've become based on, you know, considering what you could have been doing instead. Right. So I think if we start that early and, um, you know, we include in a culture exchange where people can understand how the world works in different ways from different places um, from an early age, I think that we'll be able to create a better environment for everybody. I think that that in, leads to a higher tolerance and understanding for others and hopefully will lead to a less violence, like mm. less violent area, you know, here, not just here, but everywhere. I think that violence comes from not understanding people. That's, you know, that's fact. That, so, that lack of understanding is something that makes people really butt heads. Um, and something I'm, I'm always, you know, talking to people, um, I always say you can't spell, you know, the word heart without art. So mm. it comes from that. And I feel mm. like you embody that so much um, with all the things that you get involved in. And I, I'll say this, like when you get inspired, you just go full forward. And I think, um, you know, people need to be aware of that. And, you know, I hope everyone watching that understands that, that sometimes like you have to go off that inspired and what you're feeling in your heart and soul. But I'm curious in, in thinking about that, you know, where did this like fire and this burning desire to make an impact on, you know, education and infusing arts and making change in this way? Where did that come from for you? Okay, I mean, well, to answer that question, but to also circle back to like just moving forward with something. I mean, everything I'm doing now is definitely a work in progress. A lot of this started back in 2013 when I was at Northampton Community College um, as an adult student. Um, I didn't do well the first round, so I, I came back as an adult student. And um, I was working in the student life office and one of the students came in and she had requested an application, you know, in her own way. And she said, are y'all hiring? I said, okay, you know, I looked at her and, you know, you know, I was looking down at paper, but when I looked up, I saw this mini skirt and she had this sheer overlay over it and, you know, like real club-esque vibe going on, you know? <laughs> and, and that was kind of that moment of like, wow, you know, 20 years later, I come back here and, and you know, these poor kids still aren't being educated on what they need to do to thrive. You know, they know how to survive. Yeah, you can work at McDonald's, you can do this, you can work at food service at the cafeteria, but like, what do you, how do you know how to dress? Mm -hmm. And then I started looking at applications and you look at, okay, what do you think you're gonna like about this job? And the answer is two words, the location, right? Yep. So when you see that type of disparity and, you know, and that's a 20 year old person, you know, that's when I started really my movement basically of giving back and, and taking what I had learned and being able to flip that into something that was fun. Mm. So I started off doing um, a professional fashion show at Northampton. It was called the Masquerade Fashion Show. Hey. <laughs> I like but that. It was, right. Dope. It was like a, it was basically like, you know, we all wear a mask, right? You know, when we go to work, we're wearing suits, we're wearing mm -hmm. things, but when we go home, we're, we're, you know, we're home. So I wanted students to be able to have fun and play with that. And it started from there. And then, it just kind of graduated into a bunch of different things, but it, it took a long time. It wasn't like I got on a move and just did it. I got on a move yeah. and I, I calculated and I strategized and I networked and I put in the work and I volunteered. You know, it does take dedication. You know, most definitely. That's a a big part is like that dedication to the mission. And I love that you're pointing out the fact that it didn't go right the first time the way you have wanted to when you were in school, but you still circle back because you had a goal and you had a mission. 
And then with creating what you created, I, I imagine that was probably very uplifting and inspiring, not just for yourself, but everyone that was involved. And given some of our uh, brief discussions in pre-production, um, <laughs> I'm wondering how much the introverted part, because we both agree we're both introverts, how much the introverted part um, played into that, even when thinking about the mask part, right? Because when you say mm -hmm. commonly with introverts, or one way when we're at home or the people we're closest to mm -hmm. in the outside world, we're kind of in a cave, but we're outside. Right. <laughs> so that made me wonder like, oh, I wonder if there's like a thing to this like mask and kind of you embracing your inside mask, being outside to be more comfortable to do these things. Uh, I mean, well, to be honest, I just kind of got shoved into it. I don't really even know if there's a comfort zone. <laughs> it was an extrovert's fault. <laughs> it was. Um, and I just have to state that for the record. Tyrone Russell. Um, he put Got him. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> I mean, I have done plenty of things. You know, I had done like staff training and stuff like that. But then um, there was we were doing a candlelight vigil um, down here on Martin Luther King. Um, mm. when Faces had just kind of started really doing events. And he just kind of threw me on a mic. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and then, you know, it's those moments, you know, and I remember he said, he's like, Michelle, he's like, man, like, you're actually good at public speaking. And I'm like, yeah, dog, but we don't tell anybody that, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> Vegas on that. And then next thing I know, Kevin's like, you're the director of public relations. So I, I didn't really get a choice. <laughs> Yo, that's hilarious. And then I got elected school board president, so you're running meetings. You know, so it was, it was kind of a force, but I think, and I mean, just like any introvert or anybody who has things that just come with the job, right? Those are things that we have to do because we know the impact that it makes. Yeah, that's facts. So, so my question is, um, right now you currently run a nonprofit, correct? Uh, well, I actually help a bunch of nonprofits run their nonprofits. Yes. Help. Oh, okay. So it's a it's a nonprofit helping other nonprofits. Right. All right. Yeah. Great. So, what made you get into the nonprofit sector? Um, because that's something that we didn't touch on on this show specifically, because uh, we had a lot of for profit businesses. So I think that's something that the audience should know whether which you know pathway to take and how to go about it. Okay. Um... Well, actually, I tried to I tried to stab at nonprofit before um, with uh, Women Transforming the Valley, doing self development and um, self esteem, confidence like that. Um, but you know, we just kind of went our separate ways. And then over the years, as I was collaborating these different events, um, I just started thinking, well, why don't I open up MZ Foundation? And you know, MZ Foundation basically takes different nonprofits and kind of digs into the mission of what they're trying to do. And then I take that information and put them with nonprofits that are like what their mission, you know, very similar missions. And then we have projects that we do together. Okay. It's like a collaborative effort. Yeah. You're like a nonprofit curator. <laughs> the nonprofit DJ Khaled. <laughs> yeah. Yo, he, yo, he just called you Khaled. That's crazy. I want I to take no. that from him. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yo. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was just really one thing I noticed when I was going in the community and I, and I think everybody who works within the community, different sectors in the world, you can see how many people are doing very similar things and have very similar missions, but with, Hey, I only have three staff or I only have one Vista person, you know? So when you take all those people and you combine those efforts, you can come up with a really great, you know, project that impacts a lot of people and everybody does their part. Okay. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's super interesting. Tell us how how you got to the point of 
hosting the International Cultural Festival that's coming up. Because I know that took a lot of planning, a lot of effort, and even the first the first year, it was it was a really huge experience. Yo, I just watched her entire body language take the wildest <laughs> shift. Like, yo, why you ask me that right now? <laughs> yo, I wish that camera had like a billboard on her head and like the messages of whatever she was thinking just strolled across. I feel like it said, I'm out to snuff Lewis. <laughs> I don't commit crimes, but anything <laughs> Yo. was definitely thought about. Um, <laughs> but no, the reason why is because actually it's a very touchy situation for me. And this is something I never expressed before, but I figured, you know what? I will wait till my two like day one supporters got me on camera. Um, growing up, I am um, mixed in my family, I'm the adopted, so most of my family is Irish and Italian, and I happen to be black and um, Irish and Dutch. Almost forgot for a second who I actually am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> too many. Um, but, you know, growing up, I always kind of felt excluded, but, you know, my mom and my sisters were, you know, very adamant about, you know, making sure that I felt included, my dad, you know, everybody. But I think you always have that one person in your life who just kind of opens your eyes to something else, and that was my sister, Brenda. She's the oldest. You know, she would drag me to Philly, come to the Chinese, um, you know, Chinatown, and, you know, go to this festival, or we'd go to, you know, different concerts, things like that. And she opened me up to different foods and those types of things. So one of the main reasons why I contemplated doing the festival was my experience in Northampton and I saw they had a multicultural day. So when I told my sister about it, I'm like, man, I gotta do it. I think it'd be so cool. And um, I had called Hassan Batts when he was at first at Promise and he was like, oh yeah, great idea. But then she fell sick. So I had to move out of the valley to go take care of my sister for about a year and a half. I pretty much just kind of dropped everything, right? It's your sister. Um, so. You know, before she passed, she passed in April 2018. I told her, you know, I'm going to do it. So I came back here in April, and, you know, we had our first festival in September, right on my mom's birthday. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, yeah. Um, it was basically a tribute to her and her impact on my life and how she opened my eyes to seeing things from a different perspective and just trying different things and coming to a better understanding of people that weren't, that didn't look like me or didn't grow up like me or didn't come from where I came from. Yeah. That's a, that's powerful. And especially like as someone who, you know, knows, you knows a little bit about the story and um, always, you know, sorry for your loss. I know those things stay with mm -hmm. us. And as for myself and I know other people that are viewing because some other content we talked about, I've had people reach out to us about different things. And as somebody who's, you know, lost a mom, lost mm -hmm. friends, lost family, um, it's always important to find ways to keep their name alive. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, me and my lady, we just did an event that was in the memory of her sister. So I feel like those types of things and just speaking about that honestly, honest, very honestly, candidly and vulnerably will help empower other people that are, are thinking about it. So, I, you know, I definitely appreciate you, you know, touching on that. So after that first year, I'm sure by the time you got to the end of it, you probably had a really big exhale. <laughs> and then like what was going through your mind at the end of it when you're thinking about doing it again? Oh, man. Well, I'm sorry about your mom. You know, like, you know, we kind of both shared that a little bit yeah. at the same time frame. Um, but what made me do it again? I mean, obviously pure insanity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the re-up is always different. Like, yo, I can't believe I did that. 
Right. I'm about to do it There's, one more time. Let's just keep doing it. Um, well, I think it was honestly, actually, you know what? Um, and I have to shout her out, um, Taba Sultana. Um, I think she's on Easton City Council now. <laughs> but oh, wow. when I first met her, um, you know, she had contacted me about being at the festival and bringing her family. And she came and, you know, the fashion show was all late. Everything was crazy. But, you know, we saw her family walking around and, you know, they're Muslim. So they had, you know, their traditional clothes on, you know, and um, a couple of days after the festival, she contacted me and she had said that that was the first time that she felt comfortable walking in a city, you know, with her clothes on with her family. Mm. Wow. And right. So it hit me and I was like, I got to do it again. Now, I wasn't yep. going to be crazy and do the two days and all that like I did the first time. But I said, we got to keep <laughs> doing it. You know, because it's him. even if it was one person, one family, for her to know that she had a safe space, even yeah. if it was for one day, that was important to me. Yeah, that's true. I got chills because that's part of the reason of, uh, you know, doing the work. And I'll, I'll say even for myself, like, that that's some of the stuff like that is what helped me come out of my show more as an introvert. Because I saw when I got out of myself and got out of my own way, the impact I was able to have on people in different spaces. And I'm like... Yo, who am I? Who am I to deny some type of gift I have or perspective I have to just sit on and just leave it tucked away in the house or nobody mm. know about it? So, you know, mm. I think that, that that's very important. So I feel like anyone out there who is sitting on something or feels like, you know, you have something and you're compelled to do it, just get out there and do it. Sometimes you got to get out of your own way. You do. And, you know, and even if I look back at when I first thought about the festival and I was going to do it with some colleagues of mine, you know, at first they were like, yeah, just go ahead, get all the stuff, you know? So I got everything together and I come back and I'm like, oh man, I got all this stuff together. And they're like, well, we don't have the manpower, so we can't, right? Mm. So I'm crushed, you know, like, wow. like, And I mean, I'm crushed to the point where that was January 5th, 2016. Like I remember that in first career, wow. no. <laughs> I remember that first career, no. But when I tell you that same person called me back seven years later with a, here's a sponsorship check for you. Mm. So it, it always circles back around when you believe in yourself. Right. You know, it, maybe That's they real. couldn't do that at that time. Maybe they could have done it at that time. But no matter what, they needed to see that I believed in it enough to do it. Yeah. You know, and then continue yep. doing it. And that's that's when you get, you know, what you earn. Yeah, <laughs> not as facts. You know, and in sales, they're always talking about, like, you know, the first rebuttal isn't even always real. And, <laughs> and, but, but that's the thing, though. When you get into that space and you're putting in, you're creating for yourself. Sometimes at first, no, feels like it breaks your soul. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, wait, how can I recover from this? I wasn't expecting. I wasn't planning for that. But once that brokenness is kind of gone and you realize, like, nah, I don't need you. I just wanted this. <laughs> I'm about to just, I'm about to take this personal in a, in a positive way. It's not on, like, mm -hmm. no revenge. It's more or less like, no, I know I can do this, and I'm about to show everyone I can do it. Mm -hmm. it and it happens a lot, even with like like the stories of a bunch of like millionaires and things along those lines and their come up story where um, whether it be a professional athlete or like a tech startup, they often have the idea. They pitch it to someone that's already there um, at the point where they want to be at. Then they get shut down. But then that kind of motivates them to push forward. Yep. And the vision is always going to be clearest for you. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. as much as I can sit here and explain how those things look over there, mm -hmm. you're sitting over there. You're not going to see it the way I see it. So, you know, that's the same with anything. Sometimes you can think that it's so crystal clear in your head. You're arguing with people about it and not, they just can't see it. But eventually, once you do it and it materializes mm -hmm. in the real world, then the light bulb goes off. And it's like, ah, I get it now. 
Right. And I think one thing I want to emphasize too is like when you're asking for help, like you don't really know where the person that you're asking for help is on their journey. That's right? facts. So maybe they literally can't right. help you. They want to yep. help you, right? But they're on their own journey and, yep. you know, they have to believe in themselves and get themselves like heard and understood and, you know, people putting bank on that before they can start putting bank in you. Exactly. So that, that's I something feel like I want to emphasize. Empathy in that goes a long way because mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes, well, too, too many times actually, I feel like people take it very personal in business. Like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't score keep. I don't pay attention. So it's like, no, I'm literally like creating to create, and I want to do things to do things. So if I get the support from people now or later or whenever, people, I feel like people will want to support when they're ready to, no matter what the circumstance is. But either way, I'm gonna be me regardless. Right. Yeah. You can't lose that. Yeah, and that and that falls in line with um, that same. A uh, person coming back with a sponsorship checks, which is an yeah. awesome story to tell overall. Yeah, Facts. yeah, no, it was yeah, it was enlightening. I can't lie. <laughs> <laughs> I probably I felt whole, real like, good too. Yeah, I did that whole like you know with the fiddler on the roof jump with little feet. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might have to put a video clip of that right in there. So if you do that at the end, we'll just program that right on it. Do you it. ever have those moments where you're looking at the person who saw it? Like, you didn't capture that on video? They're like, that was priceless, <laughs> man. Like, nobody's ever going to get that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's real. I hate when that happens, especially yeah. on my home and, you know, maybe a plate is falling out of the cupboard and then I do like a spin to get from the fridge right. to there and, and then I catch it and I'm like, yo, nobody saw that. Right. Why isn't this on ESPN? <laughs> I don't get it. It's crazy. Those are the moments. <laughs> <laughs> so... Mm -hmm. With with all the organizations that you um, got involved with, because um, you you named a couple, <laughs> how do you go about selecting or finding out which organization you want to get involved with? Because there there's always a lot of people that approach me that sometimes want to get involved in a certain thing, or they think, hey, I'm going to start a nonprofit for this. So why not them look for an organization first to join them, kind of learn about it, and how can they go about that? Okay, yeah, I definitely suggest that. I mean, that was something that I did. I mean, Relic and Interstar are my two main partners. You know, they partner to do the cultural exchange program, and they also partner to do the festival. Um, I mean, I hate to say it, but me and Lyndon just didn't have talked about it. Like, we, we vetted each other for years. You know, sometimes you got to do silly stuff, like maybe drop something <laughs> that nobody else knows and see if it gets out in the community. And only tell that one person, right? It sounds so silly, but those are, like, the little things you kind of have to do to kind of see where somebody's trust is at. Sounds um, like my album. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even tell y'all I'm going to be a cameo on this album. You got to tell them about the cameo, man. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the next time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> track six. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, as far as getting involved, yeah, I definitely think it's good to get involved with the organization first, kind of get in there, see what you're working with. You know, now, fortunately, I had experience in business and I had experience with nonprofit work, you know, in general, where I was able to kind of see you know, where I can fit in and what the mission was of these people and, and that type of thing. But I, I would say vetting is the most important part of the process. You want to work with people that you trust. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I recently went to Nigeria with Jacinth and Linda. And, um, you know, we were talking about it. That was a very eye-opening experience. You know, you're, you're in a foreign country. You're in the slums. You're, you know, you're walking around neighborhoods with, like, you know, orphans and goats. Mm -hmm. and, like, all in the same, like, 10 feet. So, yeah. you know, when you're, you really have to get to a level of trust with somebody, you know, um, to be able to do those types of things. So tell us more about that, because obviously we, we've spoke candidly about different areas of your work and your passions. Mm -hmm. The festival, the festival also, you know, being here. You know, what took you on those trips to other countries? 
what going international Right. What got you going global like that? I'm like Queen Omega right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't call me local. Um, <laughs> telling you that cameo's coming. But no. Um, <laughs> um, well, actually, the festival started it all, mm. believe it or not. Nice. Um, yeah, I got a like from Clever Minds Educational Foundation in Nigeria on like a post in 2018. You know, we started chatting it up and then eventually, you know, I just kind of on a whim was like, hey, Jacinth, you want to go to Nigeria and do some like development on some women, you know, and some girls at schools. And um, I recruited another colleague from Malta. Um, Note to self, I guess I'm really good at recruiting people to do crazy things. <laughs> but, um, the, you know, they trusted me and we went and did it and that's how it started. And then when COVID happened, it was like, all right, we can basically take the festival and we can, well, we can kind of combine them, right? So we can take a, a small portion of the culture exchange program, teach students like little parts of it, right? Like, like the mime dancing and paint poetry and those types of things, story writing, right? We can teach them those things in like a week or two and then we can have them showcase it at the festival. So the festival in other countries really isn't necessarily the same. We still showcase the tribal part of things, but it's really also showcasing like the things that they've learned from the people that we brought from other cultures. Mm, yeah. gotcha. So it really literally started on Instagram. <laughs> That's it amazing. all started in the DMs. <laughs> Seriously. From DMs on... <laughs> to Nigeria. <laughs> no, my colleague tells me that all the time. You know, he's like, wow, you're the first Westerner to trust me. And it was just kind of like, I mean, Google, really. I mean, I Googled them, you know, and I have friends over in Nigeria and, you know, I contacted them. But, you know, that's a trust system, too. I mean, I didn't feel comfortable taking my colleagues over there until like three, four years later. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So we want to, we're going to be basically implementing the festival and the cultural exchange program in each of these countries. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And, and I think, what you're doing now is bringing networking to another level into the digital space. Um, just because normally a lot of people, when they think about networking, they think of going to a business event, meeting people face to face. But nowadays it could be a LinkedIn invitation. It could be a DM. Mm -hmm. It could be a simple like on a post. And then next thing you know, you're connecting with people. Mm -hmm. um, what's, what's your advice of some of the best practices you had to be able to connect with a lot of the organizations that you work with, a lot of the people that you trust, um, specifically with like networking and also being able to mentor others. You mean just advice in general as far as like how I do it? Or? Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> how, how do you move in the networking space? Because a lot, I'll tell you, from my personal experience, Nice taught me a lot about networking because when he brought me out to the Wolves, I had no clue on how to network. <laughs> we talked about that on a previous episode. Yes. So make sure you tune into that if you want to find out the true story behind that. I feel like I need to tune in because I it's like... I, People say about networking, but like, I don't consider it networking. Right. Like I just go in a thing with good intentions. I'm honest. I, I have a lot of energy. So for some of the reason that attracts people, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my outside energy. FYI, my home energy is like, you know, reading a book by the fireplace. <laughs> so, um, but um, I, I, I don't really have any advice. I mean, just be honest with who you are. Just walk in yourself. You know, people will attract to you. I've gotten people who have, like literally I don't even know who they are, you know, and they just they just get attracted to that energy, that that truth. You know, most people are gonna be attracted to positive people who are have good intentions, you know, and I so for me networking is just more like mini friends. Be human. <laughs> yeah, they're like mini friends. <laughs> no, and I think that one of the biggest things about Michelle, just because I've seen her at many events and that's why I was asking her, is the fact that she's consistent in every event. Cause you'll see certain people 
they'll turn on like a corporate tone they'll go a straight commercial or something like that um, but Michelle is Michelle everywhere you go. You're like she's like this is what this is what you're gonna get. Yeah. <laughs> your best self is your authentic self. It is, and I, you know, it took me a long time to get there. You know, it really did. It took a long time to get there. So when I when I got there, I said I'm gonna own it, and you know, hopefully, good comes of it. You know, I have my moments of not perfect. You know. Yeah. Um, but I think just you know being a human being and just understanding that we're all human beings, I think is gonna keep good people around you. Yeah, and you know what. Just that it made me think about something, but you know, you said it takes a while to get there. I think part of that issue is society, schools, and different institutions, because for a lot of us in minoritized communities, it, things are presented to us as if we're not naturally good enough to be who we naturally are in these spaces. So they'll mm-hmm. say, you gotta do this, you gotta do that, you gotta do that, you gotta do that. So by the time you got this checklist of a hundred things, you think that, dang, I'm not really even good enough to be in these spaces. So when you do get in these spaces, you're kind of like hanging out in the corner. And I remember experiencing that. You know, I, I had my, my bachelor's degree, went out networking. I was like, mm, yeah, nah, I don't want to talk to nobody. Had a whole master's degree, went up, back up to New York to a fairly large networking event. And some of the people I met, I was kind of surprised I met these people, but I wasn't fully comfortable with being in that space and I was probably one of the youngest people in the space and, and I was just like wow now now I don't really I don't think about it that deep it's like mm-hmm. no I know who I am I know what type of knowledge I have I know how to present myself and I'm just authentically me in every single space in the world mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily care if people perceive me my village is gonna find me regardless yeah I think that's actually what always made me vibe with you guys like You've always been that way. I've never seen you switch up or anything. You know, I've known you for years and I've never seen that that switch up yet. <laughs> yeah, nah, it's not gonna happen. No, I, I definitely don't think that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the authentic self is definitely it's it's a sales skill in itself. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Once we go viral, you know, our Dallas over here might start acting different. <laughs> oh nah, I might turn on P Diddy or B. Oh see, <laughs> oh don't get them started. <laughs> then I will have to turn Shook nice. <laughs> We already got all alter egos. <laughs> we already switched up. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, can I be a little me? You know, I said a little more, be a little me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yay. I was, I I was say, with go it. For it. I say go for it. Little Mo, little me. I'm really trying to get on this album, y'all. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> really trying. The to campaign get to get on the album. I'm trying to do like a like a remix of Sasha Fierce. It'd be like like yo. What what a M Masha Fierce. <laughs> Masha. Masha Fierce. <laughs> I want to uh, circle back to something I thought of when you were talking um, and even talking about the development of the festival. And it's something that I, I thought about. I read a quote somewhere. I won't try to repeat it because I feel like I'll butcher it. <laughs> but I found it compelling when we talked about, you know, the how and like why the festival and like thinking about your diverse background and the people you've been around. And then specifically talking about being younger and your sister taking you to these different spaces where mm-hmm. you were exposed to these different things. Mm-hmm. And so there was a quote that I read somewhere that said, you know, a lot of adults are trying to create the things that they wish they had as children. And that is the main <laughs> fuel behind some of their mm-hmm. biggest creations. Mm-hmm. And that struck me because I know who I was as a kid and the things that I'm into now. And when you said that, it reminded me of that. So do you feel like in your experience, that's also like part of it with not even just the festival, even this kind of going to Africa and these other countries to expose those youth 
the things mm. that also like impacted you? Do you feel like that's a good assessment for you? Yeah, probably, uh, that's actually pretty accurate. Um, and, you know, even as we're doing the cultural exchange programs, you know, we're working with students here in Allentown as well. So it's not mm -hmm. just working in other countries. That's the whole purpose of the actual exchange. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, it all circles back to childhood. Um, I didn't do very well in school. I wasn't really, um, I didn't really pick a particular outlet for um, feelings. You know, that's why I focus on programs that, um, you know, focus on the um, emotional and social skills for students. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have a violence prevention leg, you know, um, a health and beauty leg, right? So um, I, I did, I mean, I'm not actually even educated if you think about it. I'm six credits shy of my associate. So people was like, what the heck, where'd you come up with this? But it was a lot because of what I was missing in school. Yep. And, you know, and I see people, you know, just in different areas of life who've had that outlet and how mm -hmm. much more emotional intelligence they've had than me and how they've been able to make better decisions and I don't mean that they're better than me I just yeah. think that they've been making more rational decisions than me yeah. you know um, so I just wanted to make sure that like as many kids as possible had that opportunity yeah because exposure is a big part of it yeah. but as far as I'm concerned with what you just said man Get them six credits, man. You gotta tell them to just give you that degree. I don't even want it. It's a stamp. It's a it's a stamp of a validation. Like you know, experience <laughs> and what you're doing and creating is to me is even more important than right the two throwaway classes you might take. I just think yeah. it's you funny. could probably go in and teach those classes. No, I you know, on some real <laughs> stuff, saying. man. The one class is international business. I didn't. I yeah, forgot see? about the final or something. <laughs> And the person, and I promise you, the person that's teaching it won't have as much experience in international business. They just read about it in a book. Right. No I promise you. And I have like what, like, like seven countries I'm doing business with right now. So yeah, like, you know, yeah, it's, it's ironic. But for me, it's just it's a testament to, you know, whether you want to go get educated, you know, your masters that worked for you, but that's not what worked for me. You know, you have to do what works for you. Did I try? Was I good at school? Did I have a 3.9 and was running the honor society as a VP and all that other stuff? Yeah, but it just wasn't for me. I'm more of an action do, let, yep. you know, kind of get out there. And, you know, studying was just not my bag. But I think, <laughs> but that's important because even me with having the degrees and certifications I have, um, the more I'm actively participating in my community and education whether it's children mm -hmm. or even like seasoned adults, because I've been in educational spaces for people that were my age, younger than me, older than me. And I feel like I love all of it because it's such a blessing. And I'm probably selfish, but I actually learn from all of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it helps me become better at everything. But the one thing that I feel like is such a flaw, and which is why, like, when you and I uh, spoke about your program, is that in the schools, they're not always action based, whereas programs like this that are on the ground, it's like, I'm going to show you some, but you're going to apply it like right now. Right now. Mm -hmm. And it, and that's where, you know, like, for example, yeah, I got my master's and I got my master's in less than a year. And that was cool and all. Right. Cool. But I, I wasn't <laughs> working a corporate job. You know what I mean? And that program wasn't designed for me to apply what I was learning in any capacity. And now being on the other side and being in higher ed for 12 years and looking back at my professors, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of them just learned those things they didn't necessarily have the jobs and kind of use those skills to a capacity some of them did and they're the ones who did i have good relationships with them mm -hmm. to this day because we connect on that but i feel like the action part is like left out so you know what you're doing i feel like eventually other people are going to start to study it and how it can further inform their practice in their classrooms or other schools and i think that's where 
kind of research and schools kind of missed the boat on. Let's teach you what make you act on it like right away because that's mm-hmm. where the real learning actually happens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Lewis, I have to ask, so just because you're, I mean, you know, you're, you're younger than we are, but I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just from like your experience, I mean, I mean, am I, is it valid what I'm saying as far as, you know, certain things missing in school to where you feel like, you know, okay, I'm, I'm either not included or I don't have enough of an outlet to be able to express myself, um, you know, did, I'm going to say, did you necessarily have particular thoughts, but you know, how often did it run across your mind? Like, man, it'd be so much easier to just go sell drugs or it'd just be so much easier to do X, Y, Z or my homeboy's doing that, but you have. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's an honest question. Um, just cause with my experience when I was in high school, they, they, the school district was actually taking away a bunch of the extracurricular courses, um, because basically they, they just couldn't afford it. So they were firing teachers left and right. And we were just stuck with gen eds. And I didn't realize it was such a problem until I got older, um, because when you're not aware of it, it's kind of like, oh, I guess this is this is what it is. <laughs> and you're not even really aware of the fact that there's other kids out there that are exposed to a lot more. So when I went into college, then I was um, able to talk to other kids and what their high school experience was like. And I remember I still remember to this day. The one kid was like, oh, yeah, like we had a whole TV studio in my, in my high school, oh, we had a whole like yep. TV studio class. Oh, wow. And I was like, you you know what I would have done in that class <laughs> if I would have had like that access to it? Mm-hmm. Like I would have been way farther than what I've been now. And like mm-hmm. since that kid came from like a more spoiled background, they didn't really like appreciate or take full advantage of all the resources to them. So it's kind of like. It's it's almost like a blessing in disguise because your struggle makes you appreciate things a lot more and it also makes you hustle a lot harder. It does. So unfortunately for a lot of the people that I know, um, they didn't go down the same path um, because they might have not had uh, the same mentors, the same um, well, guardians or anybody uh, to look up to um, that kind of guided them in that direction. Because um, I could tell you like many times, I considered it. I considered going down a certain paths open because the option was there, mm-hmm. but something told me, you know what, you're meant for bigger things. And then I went the other direction. Right. But unfortunately for a lot of my close friends, um, they went in different directions. Um, until this day, we still talk and stuff like that, but you know, they're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing. Right. And I mean, that, I mean, I'm, thank you for your input on that. I always wonder like, you know, as I'm dealing with people who are like in certain age ranges, it's like they're kind of like the fresh product, if you will, yeah. of, you know, what we've tried to implement and yeah. now we're trying to take it to another level and implement it in more like a K through 12. So it is interesting to hear that. Yeah, um, it just kind of puts a, like a stamp on, you know, what I believe <laughs> to be true that people do need extracurricular activities, you know, especially to learn those outlets, man. No, and they, and they do. And I think, um, you know, knowing Lewis's story and what he just shared and also yeah. meeting him at the time when I met him, in the role that I had at a community college here, you know, I feel like, and he can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like that's what helped him get more out of his education because when he met me, it was about, right. I had an interest in starting my own business. And so my main role, that's what I was doing was, mm-hmm. you want to start a business, cool. But with everyone, I'm like, listen, a- action and access is what's going to make things happen. If you're taking access, if you're taking appropriate action, you have more access to my time and energy. I do not want to work with people that just want to waste my time just to talk business. I want to see mm-hmm. actionable results and you making progress because that's what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. I'm going to expose you and show you different things and connect you with people that I know, but you have to be taking some sort of action. You know what I mean? And right. then 
you know, he was in classes. He had, you know, he was a full-time student, but he was also working on these things and he took it serious. And so I feel like because he was doing that, that allowed him to apply what he was learning in real time versus having that gap where I like myself, you know, I can't tell my full story, but, you know, being in those classes, especially as an MBA student, you know, I wasn't practicing any of that. And then I got into the advertising world and then it's like, oh, this reminds me of my telemarketing job mm. that I was getting paid one thing for. Now I'm making more money doing this. I didn't think I could make that much money sitting on a phone. And then I'm like, damn, I didn't really need my degree for this on the surface. Right. As I'm working and talking with small business owners, now I'm realizing, okay, here's these different things that I learned. Because to me, school is nothing but project management. You yeah. just don't want to get to apply it to like real projects. It's all play projects that your professor wants yeah. you to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but then I'm in the advertising world and I'm like, wait, I know this, I know that, I know that. So I'm giving them more value beyond what my job was offering. And so I was able to create value. But if I would have been doing that in real time, mm-hmm. I would have got, I would be 20 times as far and or probably been even more efficient at that job as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, a key thing also is um, finding someone that you could relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, especially with mentorship, because I think one of the things that me and you kind of clicked on was the fact that you went to Allen and then I went to Dirov. So like we had similar experiences in that realm. So that that opened up a a conversation to be able to build a relationship even more because it's kind of hard when it like, for example, um, if if I went to um, Dirov and then it was somebody that was like an out of state, you know, district that really wasn't aware of like everything that was going on locally. Yep. Um, and also like from my experience, just growing up, it's, it's a lot different kind of like, you know, seeing people, you know, people you went to class with eventually like ending up on the news, whether it be for a crime, getting locked up or, you know, passing away. So like those type of experiences are things that like inner city uh, kids really go through constantly. And that's something that a lot of people don't consider because they're just stuck on the numbers they're stuck on statistics. Mm -hmm. They're not stuck on like what their actual experience is on day by day quantitative not qualitative exactly (laughs) and it's crazy but um in thinking about all that i'd like to ask you one more really big question i guess it's not a big question but you know uh 10 years from now where do you see michelle Paint, paint us a picture dang so then when it happens, we can circle back to this and be like, see, I told y'all. <laughs> oh, I know. Linda Vega going to be mad at me. Yeah. But we're going to stop. <laughs> Shout out to Linda. <laughs> She's about to be mad at me. Yo. Um, Descent, I think, is with it. But Linda about to be mad. <laughs> Yo. Gotta love that. Um, but in 10 years, I mean, I really would like to see at least the seven countries that I have on board right now fully launched, you know, um, my eight-year plan is to start the actual exchange of students going from different countries to different countries. So I think in 10, I would really like to see at least two or three of those schools implementing an actual full exchange and then the seven that I have into the, the whole entire program. Um, I'm also helping, you know, with um, building an art school over in Nigeria with the Rilligan Innistar and Clever Minds. Uh, it's the first art school in uh, Delta State, and they have the uh, highest illiteracy rate wow. of the whole state. So in, in 10 years, I, I want to see that tenfold. I hear that. Yeah. 10x, 10x. Yeah. Let's go. There's no reason why you can't. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's facts. You got the boots yeah. on the ground. You got the plan. You got the action. You got the team. Yeah. 
Um, definitely. And I mean, I, it's one of those things where like, you know, you never know what else you're going to stumble upon. You know, I might just, you know, like even the festival, you know, um, and I always tell people pass the torch, right? So, you know, I'm going to be expanding to East Stroudsburg and I'm going to be teaching um, uh, Raga LaSalle, if you will, and um, Teeks McLean how to, you know, do what we're doing here and then Mike, Michael Frasetto is going to be taking over the one here and he'll be able to kind of expand it in a way that I can't as I'm focused on other things so for me um, as long as I continue to do that you know building passing the torches you know like I'm outsourcing I'll, yeah, I'm going to say outsourcing because, um, you know, in they're going to be making their money. In, in, in community. <laughs> yeah, it, right. It's in community. So it's like you see people, you know, and people have done that to me. They've seen it like a talent that I didn't even know I had or like, hey, you can expand on that. And they've yep. given me an opportunity. So, you know, for me, it's just about giving those opportunities. And then also, you know, understanding that you when you're giving opportunities, you're also giving back to yourself. Right. That's so maybe facts. I'm giving somebody an opportunity, but I'm also allowing myself free time to do something else, yep. which could impact more people so you know i can't say for the record that that's all i'm gonna do i'm not gonna lie about it <laughs> <laughs> but those are those are the plans for now <laughs> so um if anybody's out there watching listening right now how can they connect with you and how could they support you to help expand on what you're doing now uh, well, if you're local, I mean, obviously come to the International Cultural Festival, September 16th, Arts Park. We have over 200 participants, 26 countries represented, 34 vendors, 18 performances. So it's going to be a good time. Um, <laughs> so you can definitely support by that. Um, and, you know, you can honestly just follow Innistar and the Relic on either Instagram or their websites. Um, you know, they're doing a lot of great things within the community and throughout the world. And, you know, we'll be launching our culture exchange uh, soon. So um, just be on a lookout for that. I think that deserves a round of applause. Let's go. <laughs> for myself, okay? <laughs> Yo. No, for you guys. Seriously, no, no, thanks no. for having you, me, man. You got to give yourself a round of applause. That's what I feel like. What was that one Snoop Dogg thing where he was like, yeah, I want to, like, congratulate myself. You have to. And I was like, well, that's real. Well, you know, it's funny because sometimes when I post this stuff, there's this one song and it's called Challenge Yourself. And it's about, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's about, like, you know, you don't really have any competition. But every time I'm about to post it, I'm like, man, that sounds cocky, though. You know, like, <laughs> that just sounds uh, cocky. But it's like, if you really understand it, like, yeah. you're challenging yourself to be better than yourself. There is no competition mm. because why yeah. am I going to fight with you about what I want to do? Exactly. Why are you? I'm not competition to what you want to do for you. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I don't believe, I'm going to get there. I don't believe in cocky no more because I feel like the people that are labeling it have a, have a deficiency within themselves. And so part of it is like, oh, this person, they're, they're doing too much. They're too cocky. They're too arrogant. But part of it is that they don't have the inner strength to do it. So mm. they're now projecting their inner fears onto someone else's willpower. Mm. And I don't agree with that. Then that's why like a lot of people didn't like Kobe or didn't like Mike, didn't like Braun, didn't like Hove. Think about that. They're like, nah, this person do the always the people that are saying it yeah. are the ones that don't have the heart to do it. Every single time. So, nah, cocky is not really a thing. Yeah. I didn't mean to laugh. I was just laughing at it because you said the Hove thing, and then he was, like, the one I was going to ask. Yeah, that's just messed up. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but thank you. It was a pleasure. No, I appreciate pleasure. your time, energy, and passion and dedication to the community. Thank you. And for you guys... You should already be subscribed. And if you don't subscribe, then we're going to do a staring contest like we oh always do. Oh, my gosh. This guy. <laughs> you know what? Can you hurry up? Because once we hit our uh, subscriber mark, then um, once we get to 1,000, then I'm going to drop the album. I just want my, you know, my shout out on this album. Lil, Mo, Lil Me, you know. Yo, Lil Mo, Lil Me. 
Molo I've been working on it for 13 years. I mean, oh, wow. <laughs> work in progress. Well, God's been working on me for 43, and he's still got a lot of work to do, so good luck, man. <laughs>